Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome. To Doc G Show, I'm your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the one, the only, Mikey Maximus the Furnicus. Say what? Charette. Doc G, what is up, sir? How's it going? Oh, Mike, it is going good. We need to get to an important subject matter right from the top. Yes, we do. And this important subject matter, Mike, is you are a world champion. I'm a world champion. Yes. You saw this on 2K, Doc G? Yes. You saw my Instagram story? Yes. Mike. Took the magic. Yes. World champion. Finals MVP, listeners. Finals MVP. (laughs) Now, listeners, before you go uh, texting your friends, let's get this right. He is the world champion of 2K in his own Mm -hmm. world. We are referring to a video game of PlayStation 5. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Mike, can you give us a stat line? What did you have in the final game? What was what was uh, Mike Charette's? No, I don't know. I don't know what my stats were. I know I was like over twenty something points. Wow, ten rebounds. I mean, you were you were assists. you were the leader though. You, I was. You the were lead, no yeah. doubt leader of the team. Yeah. You deserve yeah, that a, Finals yeah. MVP. I did. Um, That's impressive. But, uh, you know, it honestly wasn't going to happen unless KD didn't get injured. <laughs> he got injured, and then I was like, yes. Champion. That sounds uh, that sounds realistic. That's a very yeah. realistic headline. It pretty much. Yeah, the Suns are a tough team to beat. But that that actually there. happened. What five years ago when KD got hurt on the uh, Warriors? So there you go. Mm. There you go. Yeah. But I mean, you've been fighting for this a long time, Mike. Yeah, it's been a while. I've been uh, trying to get this since the game came out. Actually, you've been going <laughs> against the negative Nancys, the haters, mm-hmm. but you did it. You did it. You didn't listen to him. You yeah. persevered. That's right. I did. Now, do you think that it, it, I, I'm I'm unaware? I don't game enough, Mike. Can you continue on? Can you go into next season? Yeah, I can play the. Uh, well, so this was the 2025 season. So yeah, I could go into the 2026 season and definitely clean up. Nice. Definitely. Do you think it's going to be a di- dynasty? Is it going to be a dynasty? Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, we got Ball Ball, Paul George. I start Ball Ball, by the way. Of course, because he's, he's he's a beast. He's he's a he's he is the uh, daddy long legs before Wembenyama. So yeah, you know, that, yeah, that guy's all legs and arms. You know, yeah. But Doc G, now I'm trying to win money. I'm trying to actually play 2K for money, so I have to go back to playing as a team. Mm. But so I can't play in my career mode. I won the championship. I'm done with that. So now I'm like playing teams. So okay. Yeah. So na- so it's now so now it's entered the real world. Yeah. Now and, I'm gonna try to make a little bit of money. And this and, is where it's gonna we'll get sad. Happens. And this is where it gets sad. <laughs> yeah. Usually I try. I've tried to. I've tried this in the past, Doc G, and I've only lost money. But, okay. You know, Okay, we'll sounds about right where any money is on the line. Yes, yes. Well, Mike, I'm excited for your new venture. I'm very excited. Thank you. Um, me too. I didn't have anything too crazy that happened to me this past week. No? I did have a meeting with a lady named Patricia. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How's she? She's good, you know? Yeah. And I, I uh, it wasn't an important meeting. 
So I got lost in my thoughts during the meeting. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've never really been much on the importance of names, Mike. You know me. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much fine with any name that a person gives me, you know? As long yeah. as it's not face. And let's be honest, mm -hmm. half the time face is probably deserved. And I'm like, you know what? Man, that's right. But, but, like, I mean, seriously, like, when I meet a girl and she's like, this, this is one that really gets me. Because I've met a couple girls with this name, and uh, you know uh, they'll be like, "Hey, I'm I'm Madeline," hmm. and I'm hmm. like, "Oh, you go by Maddie," and they're like, "Uh, no, Madeline," and they're emphatic mm -hmm. about Madeline, and I'm like, "Word, all right, that's weird," and you know, and then you move on, and you're like, "Well, I gotta call Madeline. That's long. All right, fine," mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> but I don't really think about the implications, you know. But for some reason, with Patricia, I thought about it a lot, probably because the meeting was boring. So I was like, you know. And Mike, Patricia didn't go by Patricia. She went by okay. Patty. Patty. Yeah. Mm. Definitely not my first choice, you know, Mike? Yeah, I don't like that name for some reason. No, but she was emphatic about Patty. She came in. She's like, you can call me Pat, Patty. <laughs> Pat? Yeah, Patty. I I, I shortened Patty, it even to Pat. Pat you know, it, it just they both sound like chain smoking, just <laughs> chain smokers. For well, some reason, I just visualize a Patty as just chain smoking Marlboros all day, flip flops, jean shorts. Exactly. That's <laughs> that's what I was saying, Mike. Like when when you choose that, that's a bold decision. You know. Yeah. When you say I'm gonna have people call me Patty, that's bold. That's yeah. That's almost as bold as being like uh, you named Richard and being like, please call me Dick. You know, like <laughs> that's that's a bold decision. Yeah. Well, Dick is a little more. Yeah, it's face. a little bit more in your face. <laughs> Hopefully not. Um, but uh, you know, I mean, like Patty, though. Like that's the thing is like it's like you said. If you're meeting a Patricia, you got one. Uh, face in your head. You got a little avatar mm -hmm. in your head. And as soon as they say yeah. Patty, that changes. Mm -hmm. Now yeah, the avatar is different. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but as Patty was talking, I was like, what else would you call her? And I was yeah. because, you know, I don't like I don't like full names. And then all of a sudden I was like, wait a second. Trish. Trish. Trish I is like a, Trish. Trish is a nickname for Patricia, you know? Yeah. And it was mind blowing when I thought about this because I was like, holy that's a bold move right there. You know, some lady was sitting there long ago with the name Patricia. And she was like, ugh, people are going to be calling me Patty. I don't want to be called Patty. And she was, she, you know, she was like, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm effing you turning on these mamma jammas right now. I'm using the middle part of my name. I'm using what's crammed in between pa and ah. I'm making that my name. <laughs> pa, yeah. Trish, ah. I'm Trish. The yeah. audacity, Mike. That is that is bold. Yeah, it is. I mean, think about that, Mike. I'm Benjamin. Yeah. Just think right now, if I told you I'm going by jam. Jamming. Not even jamming. Jam. Just jam. You know? I'm parsing it out. Ben, jam, in. Taking out those two parts, I'm just jam. <laughs> From this day forth, Mike, I will be known as Doc Jam G. 
Doc Jam G. Doc Jam G, man. You know, uh, and I was thinking I about it. I like it, actually. I, I, is it, it is, it's not bad. Yeah, it's nice. It's not bad. I was thinking, Mike, we need Trish energy on this show. You know? <laughs> yeah, we do. We need innovation in this mm-hmm. world like Trish on this show. Mm-hmm. I am ready to U-turn on these mamma jammas. Are you, Mike? Let's do it. Are you Let's ready to fire this show it, up? Let's fire up the show. Woo! The Doc J- G Jam Show. <laughs> All three engines up and burning. Two, one, zero, and lift off. The, what did you say? There's a jam in there. There's a G, something. Jam G, G Jam. Yeah. Jammy G. I was going to just say the Doc G Show, you know, just trying to get really wild. <laughs> We don't need to call it a show. We call it a show. The Doc G-O. <laughs> yeah. Mike, we have a tremendous O. We have the one and only Jerry Douglas, a one-man a wrecking crew on the Dobro. 15-time, I don't have enough fingers for it, 15-time Grammy winner. Jeez. Man that's uh, been on 1,600 albums. A man that's recorded with James Taylor, Allison Krauss, Ray Charles. All, all the greats. But first, we need to start where we start, Mike. Birthday suit. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Mike, uh, it's not surprising. You're starting out hot. <laughs> there we go. You're starting out hot. This yes. this this year, five and a half out of six. Cool, I'll take it. Making you eighty nine out of one fifty six for your total career. Let's go. Not bad, not bad, Mike. I'm gonna start with a singing clue on this one. All right. <clears throat> Sweet Caroline. Ba, ba, ba. Good times never seem so good. Mm. Wow. Um, Doc G, first of all, great singing. <laughs> Second of all, uh, hmm. might need a little bit. I inclined to believe they never would. Hmm. Sweet Caroline. Ba, ba, ba. Is that the only song they have? Is that like that's their, mo- that's their most well known? That's it. Yeah. It's not. It's not a group. It's, it's one, just one, guy. one dude. Yeah, I might have to pass on this one, Doc. Yeah, I'm not really sure actually. I'm gonna give you his initials. N. All right. D. Neil Diamond. Point five, Mike. I'll take it. Yes. Wow. Total guess. There we go. Hey, indeed. I thought he was a country singer. No. <laughs> yeah. Pop. Pop. He's a pop man. He's a pop man. Born in Jan- uh, born on January 24th, 1941, New York City, Mike. He was 16 when he received his first uh, guitar. He was inspired by Pete Seeger to pursue music. I found this interesting. I did not know this about him. He got a scholarship to college for fencing. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. And he won a championship in fencing Mm. in 1960. That's awesome. Yeah. You don't hear that too often. No, definitely not. (laughs) 
<laughs> he started his, his music career in 62. He had good success with the songs Cherry Cherry, uh, Kentucky Woman. He wrote the extremely popular song I'm a Believer, made famous by the old monkeys. Mm-hmm. In 1969, he released Sweet Caroline, which has become an anthem. The song's used all the time sing-alongs at games. Yeah. Uh, it's it's used right now. I forget what it is. I think it's Johnny Walker. It's an alcohol commercial of some sort, mm-hmm. some kind of booze. And they yeah. have all these people singing at a, at a uh, bar. And uh, the only thing is, I'm like, come on, guys. You know, I, I get it. You got to make racial harmony in 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 uh, in commercials, but mm-hmm. like that's not believable. There's just everybody in the world in there. There's an there's an old Asian dude. There's young black ladies and and uh, white white old guys, and you're just like, <laughs> they're not all in here singing this song together. We're way <laughs> too racially divided. Now, would I like it to be this world that you have created? Of course, I would. Yes. But you made it a, a, a fake world, uh, Johnny Walker. Now, I guess may, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe if uh, people got drunk enough, that would happen. So, you know, maybe. I mean, this is usually the song that they play at about 1.59 mm-hmm. in the morning at a nightclub. You know, it, <laughs> Everybody's it's, blacked out. It's We're go- all singing. It's going to yeah. be that. It's going to be that or it's going to be, uh, um, uh, uh, which, what do you call it? Um, li- living on a Prayer, uh, Bon Jovi. Yeah, closing time too is another closing one. time. Yeah, uh, journey. Uh, yeah. Um, don't stop believing. That's always yeah, a don't classic. Don't stop believing. Yep, yep, yep. That's a classic. <laughs> Regardless, congratulations, Neil Diamond. You're in that group. You wow. have reached the pantheon of drunk sing-alongs. Yep. Congratulations. Happy. Not a country singer. I really not, sorry. I not a country singer, and he is turning Mike eighty-three. 83. Wow. Happy birthday, man. Happy- he can still party. He can still party. Mike, <laughs> you ready to rip some headlines? Doc G, can I say something real quick? I totally forgot to tell you this. I think there's an NDA that I'm probably violating here, but okay. I won't tell you too much. Okay. But um, I'm going to be in a so- Super Bowl commercial. What? Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm more like probably in the background of a Super Bowl commercial. But you'll but, be there. But I'll be there. That's pretty impressive, Mike. Yeah, rollerblading in the we, background. We probably get, we better get ready for the the new listeners. You know. Yeah. We better prepare. I was wearing a Doc G show shirt. Exactly. No, I'm just I wasn't. I should have. Should have. Yeah. Had to be, it had to be colorful though. It had to be like a pink. Oh, like I don't a have pink any shirt colorful. with a Doc G show. I should plan. Yeah. I should plan ahead. I should get colorful yeah. shirts just in case that happens again. Mm. Yeah, it was uh, like one day notice. Miss- but hey, kind of cool. Yeah. Kind of cool. I like Random. it. I like. I can't wait Anyways. to see you, Mike. I'm gonna. I'm gonna write it down. Yeah. Write it down. It'll be the. Uh, uh, no, again, no, no, no. We'll, we'll wait. Yeah. Listeners, okay. keep an eye out. The, yeah, yeah, the yeah, folks yeah. out there that are gonna watch the foosball, <laughs> which are probably yeah. not our international listeners, but the the domestic listeners. Keep an eye out for Mike during yeah. the Super Bowl. Look for keep an eye out for Ludacris and, and uh, uh, Lil John. A madman skating his balls off in the background. Yes. And that'll be me. That'll be Mike. That'll be Mike. Mike, are you ready to rip some headlines? Let's rip some headlines, Doc G. What do we got? It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. 
Mike, interesting story from somebody we talked about last week. Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg. Yeah. yeah Snoop made uh, some pretty big headlines uh, this uh, past week when he said that he turned down $100 million to, quote, pull that thing out on OnlyFans. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Mike. It's uh, hilarious. In an interview on Wake and Bake with Double S, Snoop said they were like, OnlyFans wants you to come on there, Snoop. Hmm. You can do about $100 million. All you got to do is pull that thing out. Word. And I'm like, I got a black wife. Ain't no way in the world she going to allow me to go on there and pull that thing out for no amount of money. Yeah. That's, that's that's how it ended, Mike. Mike, I got to uh, say, though, no offense to Snoop. I'm sure his thing is fantastic. Mm-hmm. But no one or group of people collectively is paying $100 million for him to whip it out. Like, that's <laughs> not happening. I don't care. Uh, what. Th- that's no way. No way, yeah. Mike. The math. What is that? Three hundred twenty million in the USA. But I guess there's like billions of people in the world. So there's a eight, eight billion in the world. But there's, I yeah. mean, come on, Mike. How many people are like, yeah, I'll pay to see Snoop Dogg's wiener. Yeah, let me do two dollars. Like, I mean, <laughs> come on now, come on. Yeah. Just seems a bit far fetched, Snoop. I think they were trying to drag you in with some big money, and they'd be like, hey, we got you a thousand dollars. How's, how's that? <laughs> Pretty close, right? Pretty close. Um, Mike, here's a weird headline from VT. Uh, American Pie star Jason Biggs admits to sleeping with sex worker during marriage to Jenny Mullen. Ah. Yeah. Now, that sounds pretty wild, Mike. Pretty salacious, you know? And you're probably thinking, that Jenny Mullen... She must have been pretty upset. Well, she actually bought the hooker for him, Mike. Mm. What? Yes. Yes. She purchased this hooker for Jason. Uh, and now you're probably like, oh, so he's just telling this story to the world now. No. It was in her book that she put out a couple of years ago. <laughs> this has been public knowledge Girl, for a couple of years. Now, what makes this news, Mike, is that he said it on TV. He said it on TV instead of where it's been for the last several years in a d- book. <laughs> I love how this wasn't news when it was in a book. Like, yeah. literally, there wasn't even one person out there, Mike, that was like, you know what, I'll take a read of this book. No. Even though there was great news about Husbands sleeping with hookers. People are like, I'm not going to read a whole book. Why do I care about her book? <laughs> Until he went on TV, he went on The View, Mike. Mm-hmm. And he told this to The View's panel. And The View was like, now this is news. This yeah. is news. But regardless, Mike, it, was, uh, it wasn't really news. You know? It wasn't really news. And uh, everything's fine. Their marriage is cool. And uh, apparently... Uh, Jason is no good at having sex with hookers. 
Oh, there you oh, go. Yeah. Come on. There you go. Wasted a good moment. So it was his wife that wrote the biography? Or yeah. the hooker mm-hmm. that wrote the biography? Okay. Also, got a little lost. The old hooker biography. <laughs> I mean, I'm how sure, did we miss it? I'm sure they're out there, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mike uh, Kanye West, uh, ye, uh, he's in the news again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can pretty much disregard all of his news. Uh, but mm-hmm. I didn't disregard this news. This news was that he uh, got his teeth taken out and replaced with an $850,000 titanium denture plate modeled after James Bond villain Jaws. Huh? Mm, I did see that, and they look pretty weird, yep. those teeth. Yeah. Yep. And you got to admit, Mike, uh, you're probably like me, and you saw that headline, and you were just like, seems like par for the course. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And I got to say, like, I don't know if, if you're like me, Mike, but I, I really feel like he overpaid. Like, $850,000? $850, Aren't everybody's iPhones made out of titanium now? And you got to pay $850,000? That seems a bit much. Yeah. yeah. Seems a little ridiculous. I don't know. But, I don't know. You know. Also, Mike, uh, just to throw this in there, after initial claims that he had all of his teeth removed, that was actually disputed by the person that did the dentures. So. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. So he kept all of his teeth. He apparently. just got like, uh, okay. Apparently. Yeah. Like at that first, they, they, the first, yeah, they, they made it seem really extreme. And then they pulled it back and were like, no, he just overpaid for the stupid pair of dentures. Yeah. yeah. That's basically it. But okay. regardless, Mike, uh, let's move on. Um, this was fairly interesting. CTV News in Canada had a clip from the Australian Tennis Open where a seagull interrupted the game. Mm-hmm. And they titled the clip, Rogue Seagull Interrupts Tennis Match. <laughs> and, you know, I saw this clip and I was like, Mike, I gotta, I gotta be honest. Isn't that every seagull? <laughs> yeah. Like, aren't all seagulls rogue? I mean, I don't, I don't really know any straight-flying, dependable seagulls that you're like, now that one... He's right on course. No. <laughs> they're dive bombing crap. They're eating your fl- fries. They're never yep. they're never on course. No that way. That never happens. Mike, this one uh this is one of those stories that's super frightening to me. Somebody no. that was imprisoned for a crime they didn't commit. Oh yeah. The old Shawshank redemption story, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. So Stephen Ruffin, Stephen Ruffin was committed, uh, convicted of a murder in 1996, mm. served 14 years until he was paroled in 2010. But even though he was paroled, he didn't give up trying to uh, get the conviction dismissed and his name cleared. He said, quote, if you know you're innocent, don't give up on your case. Keep fighting because justice is will prevail that's all i've wanted for 30 years somebody to listen and really hear what i'm saying and look into these things i was telling them well this past year mike he was exonerated nice 
He was exonerated for the murder that they uh, stuck him with, Mike. Prosecutors said they now believe the killer was an acquaintance of Stephen Ruffin. And interestingly, Stephen Ruffin would tell about just about anyone he knew that was listening that the acquaintance committed the murder. For the last 30 years, he's been like, that dude, not me, is the one that killed the person. That's a fact. And nobody listened to him for about 30 years. Mm. Now, this is the part that really dragged me in, Mike. I was reading this story, and then this part, I was just like, are you, are you serious? What? So, I was reading it, and the prosecutor said they were exploring whether to charge the man they now believe who committed the murders, right? Yeah. And Brooklyn District Attorney Eric Gonzalez said after the court, after court, that charges, if any, wouldn't come immediately. He said, quote, you have to be able to convict someone beyond a reasonable doubt. And we have to make sure that the evidence is sufficient enough to do so. End quote. Mm-hmm. And the whole time I heard that, Mike, I was like, can you imagine the look Stephen Ruffin was making behind this guy when he made that statement? Yeah, Eric, you would think you need sufficient evidence. I don't know. Maybe so you don't put someone in jail for 14 years? Like, what? Oh, the audacity, Mike. That's more than Trisha's audacity. Yeah. God, I'd be fired up if I was if I was Steven. I'd be like, you yeah, kidding me? Yeah, I'd be furious. But yeah, you, you give it up for Steven. He's had a positive attitude, you know? Yeah, he has. He's had a did very he have to, like Did he have to like go to school or something to like find a way to... Def- I wonder how he was like able to finally prove. You I, know, so I mean, could... he just got somebody to listen. That's it. Yeah. Like, I mean, somebody yeah. in, the, in the judicial system finally was like, all right. He's been saying this for 30 years. I guess we'll take it out. <laughs> Let's look into it. Jeez. Um, Mike, Crystal Hefner. Uh, Crystal is uh, a lady that was a Playboy model uh, mm-hmm. who was married to Hugh Hefner. Yep. She's uh, set to release her memoir, and she's doing interviews to promote the book. And opening up about her time as Hugh Hefner's wife. Mm-hmm. She said that she was never truly in love with uh, Hugh. And she paid a big price marrying the senior citizen. Hmm. Yeah. What was that price? Mike, I can only guess her memoir is called Stating the Obvious. That'd be my Uh-oh. guess. That'd be my guess. But side note, Mike. The obvious. Side note, Mike. <laughs> that large and, and mental physical price that she paid, you do have to remember she was supplemented by getting about twelve million dollars from from you. So Yeah. Might even out. Just saying. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Just saying. Also, Mike, I realized while I was actually going over this story that I missed a a connection, a call back. To the Jason Big story, it's fine. Mm, I can see, it, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, Mike, this past week, Jody Foster made some news. You know Jody? Oh yeah, yeah, very famous uh, actress. Yeah. You know, she She's made awesome. news the only way you make news by going on the View. Mm-hmm. She went on the View and uh, 
she let the world know that she didn't tell her sons that she was an actress growing up. <laughs> that she was a hooker and she slept with. <laughs> That's the she callback had, we needed. She had sex. <laughs> she had sex with Jason Biggs. There you go. And he was not good. That's it. Now, she said, quote, I wanted them to know me as their mom and the person who went away to work and stuff. I just didn't want them to be confused about what I did for a living. She then said she told them she was in construction, and they thought that for a really long time. Wow. Yeah. I mean, if I were doing this interview with Jody, Mike, I would have had the follow-up, like, how long are we talking? Like, how did you go along with this? Like, don't you think at some point somebody would have came up to your kids and been like, hey, do you know your mom's in Silence of the Lambs? What? <laughs> no, no, she works in construction. She's got the hard hat, everything else. Yeah, that's what she does. Real proud of her. Like, what? No, I'm pretty sure I saw her in contact, too. Yeah, I'm pretty uh, sure she was you there. Wanna, you might want to ask her about that. Mom. Does she have a twin? <laughs> like, exactly like her? I don't... It's weird. Like, and then, I mean, you know, depending on how long they say that she went like then you got to question how bright those kids are <laughs> it's mm -hmm. like yeah 25 and they're like my mom's in construction really <laughs> i don't know doesn't seem right what projects but, uh, are she working is she yeah. working on no, yeah. I don't know. anyways mike uh this is a uh let's see how much i i uh, i'll end on this story we'll we'll move on from the mike got a little sports news here Sports news from the, the wide world of marathons. This happened a couple of weeks ago on January 7th. A 52-year-old Chinese man named Uncle Chin. Uncle Chin. Yeah, nicknamed Smoking Brother. Hmm. By the way, that's exactly how they have it in the article. And I was like, how do they give a guy with a nickname another nickname? Because I'm pretty sure his first name isn't actually Uncle but regardless, Uncle Chin did uh, pretty awesome, especially for a 52-year-old in this marathon, Mike. He placed 574th out of 1,500 runners and hmm. finished with a time of 3.33. Hmm. Three hours, 33 minutes. Is that pretty good? Uh, in case you're wondering, Mike, that comes out to about an 8.07-mile pace. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. But he was disqualified. DQ'd. He was disqualified because apparently China banned smoking in marathons two years ago. What? And this dude earned his nickname Smoking Brother. I don't know how many cigarettes he went through, but they had so many pictures it's got to be at least minimum a pack that he went through in this in this uh, race. I'm guessing at least a cigarette a mile, Mike. <laughs> at least. At least. Uh, that's awesome. He was smoking during the run. The and they whole were like, run. No. And they were like, no, doesn't count. The Come whole on, race. Isn't this like going to make him worse at running? Come I, on. I, mean, I, I had so many questions, Mike. Yeah. You know? 
Like, first of all, did anyone tell the smoking brother that this is an unhealthy behavior? Like, <laughs> I don't know if he's aware, but smoking has been linked to several health disorders. Mm-hmm. It's, it's bad. But, uh, it, it, like, like you mentioned, Mike, if this guy hadn't smoked for the last 25 years, he'd be, like, setting master's records at, like, two hours and 30 minutes. Like, yeah, seriously. be unstoppable. But I looked into it, Mike. The rule he broke specifically states, quote, uncivilized behavior from runners, such mm. as open defecation, smoking, or trampling on flower beds. Hmm. Or green spaces that affect the race and the safety of other runners will result in disqualification. Hmm. First of all, Mike, come on, Chinese officials. He nailed two out of the three of those rules. He wasn't crapping everywhere, and he did not trample any gardens while he was smoking, okay? No. That would just, <laughs> just smoking. Just smoking. Which, honestly, they really grouped a lot of things together in that uh in that rule you know like yeah I mean, those three things are i feel like other. very yeah. different levels yeah. too like i see somebody step on a flower bed i'm probably not going to text my friend but if i see somebody crapping in the street i'm going to be like yeah, some some weird things are happening here in china i'm a little concerned you know <laughs> yeah. like i mean just anyway anyways shout yeah. out Shout out to uh, uh, Uncle Uncle Chen. Um, I don't condone your behavior of smoking, but I wouldn't have disqualified you. Nope. I would have no. made you. I would have made you run like ten feet away from everybody else. You know, I would have had a smoking and a non-smoking section of this race. <laughs> I mean, like you got to be over here on this side. And there you go. There you go, Uncle Chen. I'd probably run behind him, try to get some of that secondhand smoke. <laughs> Oh, a little nicotine boost, the, everybody. Here we go. The pressure off, yeah. <laughs> Mike, relaxing. we are going to take a break. We are going to be right back. But first, we are going to hear from our guest, the one, the only, Jerry Douglas, right here on the Doc G Show. Mike, we are back here on the show. Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. I switched it up there. I don't know why I just started with Mike. That was weird. That's a fact. But, Mike, would you like to let the uh, listeners know what they need to do? Oh, of course. Uh, Well, Dr. E, if the listeners feel like the show is a positive way to waste their time, they should please subscribe to the show. Amen. Apple Podcasts. Spotify. Mm. We're on YouTube now, killing Woo. the shorts. Woo. Um, Woo. Wherever you get your your media uh. content, um, SoundCloud as well. It's a cost-effective way to support the show. And if the listeners are feeling extra generous, they should please leave us a five-star review. Amen. And a comment. We love. Go- hey, and also tell a friend. Tell a friend about the show, guys. Tell a, tell a friend. friend. Yes. And, you know, we're not just killing the shorts. We're killing the long videos on YouTube oh, yeah, as well. Oh, yeah, we are. But yeah. uh, nobody's watching them. But we're still killing yeah, yeah, yeah. them, you know? Yeah. So we just, are. just uh, if you are listening 
to the interview with Jerry Douglas and you're like, you know what? I'd like to see Jerry Douglas talk about this. You can go on YouTube and see him talking to me. Me and mm-hmm. Jerry talking back and yeah. forth. Now, listeners, if you're hoping there's all kinds of crazy, uh, um, you know, side-scrolling and interjecting animations, that takes way too much time, and I don't do that. But mm-hmm. We're if you, saving that for the Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, once, and once we get a couple of interns working this, uh, working this media, then we'll have it. But when it's oh, me, yeah, yeah. I don't have time for that. Sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Mm-hmm. You're just going to hear us talk. That's it. But mm-hmm. we appreciate you listening to us talk. We do. And tell a friend. Tell a friend. Please. Mike, we need to thank the folks that regularly listen. Here we go. Yes, we do. Shout out. Shout out Jacksonville, Florida, Columbia, South Carolina, Radford, Virginia, Gainesville, Florida, Frankfurt, Germany, Anoka, Minnesota, Ashburn, Virginia, Piracai, Brazil, San Diego, California, Dublin, Ireland, Oborden, Oregon, Digital, Italy, Richardson, Texas, Barcelona, Spain, Winfield, West Virginia, Biloxi, Mississippi, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Peoria, Illinois, Katy, Texas, Toms River, New Jersey, Olive Branch, Mississippi, Asheville, North Carolina, Los Angeles, California, Spartanburg, South Carolina, Athens, Georgia, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Chicago, Illinois, Boynton, Virginia. There were still a lot of mistakes in there, Mike. Shout out. At one point there, I don't know if you noticed, around Dublin, Ireland, the words were coming out slower than my head, and it was just sort of started. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I caught up. I caught up. It was like when you're about to trip and you're trying to catch your feet up. I caught up. Yeah, he did that quick run. Yeah. Yeah. I got there. Mm-hmm. I got there. Mm-hmm. Mike, we got some good four stars here. Shout out. Cool. Shout out to what the borough. Got? Shout out to Queens, New York. Coming in with lots of listens. Queens. Cool. Shout out to Queens. Love Queens. Shout out to Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Our, Love it. our southern southern friends down there at the tip of the Florida wiener. Huh? Uh mm-hmm. Ruskin, Florida. On the other side. With Tampa, shout out to Ruskin, Florida. Summer seat, Ireland. Ooh, that's nice. Yeah, it's not Sounds really nice summery. A, there's, yeah, no. We got a week in August, but it's <laughs> it's summery. It's right outside of Dublin. It's like uh, ten miles outside of Dublin. Shout out to Summer Seat. You know, Summer Seat. Yeah, Lynchburg, Virginia. Shout out to Lynchburg. Not the creators of Jack Daniels. That would be Tennessee. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Shout out to Philly. Which reminds me, Mike, this is, you know, I'm going to tell you at the end. Shout out to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Shout out to Richmond, Virginia, capital of the old Commonwealth of Virginia. Shout out to Kingston, Jamaica. Good amount of lessons from Kingston. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Prineville, Oregon. Prineville, close to one of our uh, fairly regulars there of Bend, Oregon. They're right right cool. beside Bend. Uh, Dayton, Ohio. Shout out to Dayton. Columbus, Ohio. Shout out to Columbus. Long Beach, California. And lastly, shout out to Charlotte, the Queen City, North Carolina. Shout out. Mike, what I wanted to bring up to you... Um, as you saw and commented on on Instagram, I posted a video uh, of where we were doing a little Benjamin Franklin HTH, mm-hmm. and uh, I commented that Benjamin Franklin liked, liked to exercise, specifically swimming, and uh, people were impressed by the size of his wiener. Um, mm-hmm. That video, not too popular, but at one point... 
Benjamin Franklin's house in London. Liked it and commented on it, Mike. Really? Yes. Benjamin Franklin's house, the only house that's still standing that he lived in in London, England, commented on the post. And not only did they comment, they said, yes, exclamation point. And he made uh, fins for your hands. And I just love, I just love how they were like, yes, people did say he had a huge dog. Like (laughs) how they agreed with that. Like, uh, absolutely. Like, uh, so there you have it. Listeners be, be, be Franklin packing heat, packing the heat that Benjamin Franklin house said it. And you know what? I was thinking about it, Mike. You got to give it up. You got to give it up to those UK folks. In fact, all international folks. Because I just know if that house was in America, they wouldn't have liked that post. No. They you know, have. they would have seen it and they'd be like, oh, they said something about male genitalia. We can't like that. We're not. not, not we're going to have to overlook that. Even though it's talking about Benjamin Franklin, we're above that. But you know what? Shout out to the Ben Franklin House in London, England. They were like, no, we're commenting on it. And we're yeah, jazzed. That's wild. You didn't tag them or anything? I didn't no. tag them or anything. No, they were wow. just searching, man. The multimedia team was like, we've got to find <laughs> things about B. Franklin. And they were like, here's one. Let's like this. There we go. And they did. They did. Shout out to them. Mike, uh, we got to move on here to uh, facts you didn't know you needed to know and probably mm. don't. So I've got the I've got the categories, Mike. We're gonna see what you wanna you wanna learn about today. We got geography. We've got math. We've got history. We've got sociology. We've got weather. We've got animal physiology, and we've got basketball. Hmm. Let's go with the sociology. Sociology, Mike. This is pretty wild. Currently in America, one in eight marriages start online right now. Wow. Already one in eight. That's where they met. That's where they first met was online. Seems like, it seems kind of low, right? Or I, I thought it, seem, it, seemed, it seemed high. Yeah, you know? one out of eight. Because I like, I mean, I don't think, I'm pretty positive they're not counting uh, divorces, you know. If they're mm. counting divorces, I'd have it much higher than that. But you're mm. telling me one in eight a current marriages, people are keeping it going? That's impressive. Yeah. Uh, that's all. All right, Mike, cool. w- what's the next cool, uh, cool, fact cool. you want to know? Um, Let's do math. Due to prob- probability, Mike, when you meet 23 people, let's say there's 23 people in a room, there's mm-hmm. a 50% chance that two people will have the same birthday. Really? Yeah. That's all it takes. 23 people, and there's a 50-50 chance that there will be two people in that room with the same birthday. Hmm. So any over, obviously, 23, you've got over a 50% chance. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, what? when is that birthday? Like in November? Is it probably in November? doesn't right? matter. It's yeah. just it's yeah, probability it of when it lines up. I know there's like a time of year where most people, there's a lot of people are born in like on one day. I can't remember which one it was. That's okay. Mike, Anyways. another fact? Yeah. What, what um, let's do... Basketball, animal physiology, weather, history, or geography? Let's do weather. Let's do weather. 
on average, 1 billion tons of water fall from the clouds every minute on Earth. Hmm, that's hot. 1 billion tons of water. That's a lot. That's a lot of water. Agua. That's a lot. Yeah, it is. Mike, I'm rolling. I'm just going to go on to Um, the next one. Yeah. Uh, What do you want? Let's try animal physiology. Reindeer eyeballs turn blue in winter to help them see at lower light levels. Hmm. They're golden color in the summer. No other mammal has this ability. Hmm. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I think that's been referenced in some movies, you know, like the like Christmas movies. They look at the reindeer and their little eyes shimmer blue, you know, or something like that. I don't know. I might just be making that up, but yeah. <laughs> that's not a fact, um, listeners. Don't 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 take that as fact. <laughs> it's not fact. Uh, Mike, uh, one more. Yeah, one let's more. do one more. Um, geography, what? history, geography. or basketball? Actually, no. Let's do history. 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 Abraham Lincoln was a wrestler. Yeah. The, really? pre- the president had only one loss among his 300 contests of wrestling. Jeez. He earned this reputation in New Salem, Illinois, as an elite wrestler. Wow. I did not know that. Yeah. I feel very, like I know a lot of Abe Lincoln history, too. I didn't know he was a wrestler. Very surprising, wow. too. It's 6'4", you know? Yeah. Well, you got to be, you got to be, I don't know, wiggly. To get get going at six four, you know. Yeah, and it was like six four was really tall. Giant back then. Yeah. I mean, that's basically equivalent to being ten feet tall today. You know? <laughs> You're right. Okay, that's a little exaggeration, <laughs> listeners, but still, like you know, there were some pretty short, malnourished people back then. Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh. Mike, we are gonna take a break. We are gonna be right back with none other than Jerry Douglas on the show. Right here on the Doc G Show. Hey, what's up? This Rock Montana. This Mucho Yellow. And it's Rockin' Yellow. And you're listening to Doc G Show from 803 to 904. The best show on the radio. You dig? This is 95.5 Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLPFM, UNF Jacksonville. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We are super happy to be welcoming an amazing musician and producer who will be in Ponte Vedra February 24th and then Fernandina Beach February 25th. Mr. Jerry Douglas. Jerry, how are you, sir? I'm just on top of the world, man. Doing great. Awesome. Great. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, you've been uh you've been playing Dobro almost sixty years, which is Sounds bananas like a lot. to think. Yeah. Exactly. About it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Started playing when I was about ten years old. So I've been playing, you know, fifty, uh, fifty odd years. But uh, yeah, strange, strange thing for a for a ten year old kid to want to do. That time, I, you know, I've I've read it on many, uh, you know, uh, 
websites and whatnot, you've been on 1,600 albums. How many... If if you had to like recall those from memory, how many do you think you could actually name? Oh whoa! You know, if I if I had a date book in front of me, I could probably tell you what songs we cut because I have that kind of memory. I can I can remember what you know, just a little bit of information. I can pretty regurgitate the whole thing. But um, you know, James Taylor recordings. Stuff I've done with my friends with uh, with Edgar Meyer and Bela Fleck and Sam Bush, uh, things like that. There are so many that I, re- you know, so many. There have been so many sessions in the first place, but there are so many very nice, memorable moments and uh, all the, all the recording with Allison Krauss that I've done, and you know, headed in the studio with Ray Charles was one I'll never forget. Um, you know, and things things like that. People like that. Paul Simon. You know, I'm dropping names. Paul McCartney told me. My friend Paul McCartney said it's not good to drop names. But there, there, I've done it. Now I don't have to do that while I'm down there now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, so you do think though? Because I was thinking about this. If it was me and I had made that many songs, I I don't know. Like, could it, you? Th- do you think you could get a hundred on a test if we if you heard a bunch of those songs you would know it was you without a doubt you'd be like yeah that's that was me most of the time but not all the time anymore i mean i heard a song last night on a record that i know i it was me but it does i'm not you know i i i it didn't sound like me at first and i thought is that really that's me but it was it was me yeah it's just different engineers takes on how to record you know what they want the final sound to be on you know to, on the record things like that they can get by you but yeah most of the time i can tell that it's me you know gotcha. and I'm, gotcha. and do you know and if I, if I don't do that then they either edited me or it's somebody else <laughs> you know makes sense makes sense well so you started out uh like you said around 10 uh, he fell in love with Josh Graves, Flatten uh, Scruggs, and that's oh, yeah. that's that's where you started going. You were self-taught, and you, I heard you talking about how basically it was, you know, sitting beside the record player, uh, trying to sound like Flatten Scrugg albums. Yeah, and I did. I didn't have an album, a record player that where you could slow it down. Uh, it only got faster, so I, I I didn't try any of those things. I yeah, I had to learn it. Uh, the hard way but I also had you know I also had my father had a bluegrass band a really good one and guys in the band could have told me to buzz off you know at any time but they didn't they they were really helpful to me and gave me good information and you know the dobro and the banjo had some some uh, tuning uh, things that were that in common and uh, because I didn't even know how to tune it when I got it you know it's like well, let's start with G and figure it out from there and uh, so it, yeah I don't it's hard to remember learning you know it, it is for anybody especially if you're teaching lessons or something like that you know it's hard to remember what it was like to learn until you really slow it down and you start taking yourself apart and then you start to remember, oh, yeah, I remember I had a hard part, hard time with this part. Yeah. But yeah, I, and, and I do have a teaching, a teaching method 
on uh, modern masters. But but it's it's a uh, and that has taught me a lot about how I play and how unorthodox I really am. <laughs> yeah. Did did you ever? You, you said you know the the record player didn't uh, slow down. Did you ever pull out the move of of putting a couple of like quarters, a little bit of weight on the top of the needle? I did. I did that. Yeah, an ashtray. Yeah, you had a big heavy, you know, back in the back in the 60s, everybody smoked and they had those giant ashtrays. So, yeah, I set that I set a great big glass ashtray down on the record and that would slow it down a little bit for a minute until, you know, until the needle skated off the record. <laughs> it, nothing was easy back then. Now we have the Internet and we're all on it telling everybody how to play and giving them all these, uh, you know, all these examples of what to do and what not to do. And, uh, you know, I, I wish I'd had that, but you know, in, in a way, in a way, uh, I'm glad it all happened the way it did. Well, I, I've talked to several uh, guitarists, you know, several really accomplished guitarists about, and they learned the same way that you learned. And, you know, we both sort of agreed that doing it that way it's like you said, your unorthodox style is developed. And in that unorthodox style, you you get a lot of things that it's it's evolution. It's it's things that are accidentally evolve in your style that wouldn't be there if 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 you hadn't have learned that way. Right. Right. Learning from Josh Graves on records who played the the dobro with uh, Lester Platt and Earl Scruggs. It was such a groundbreaking uh, instrument and guy, you know, in, at that time, was, there was nothing like it, and uh, it it really got me, got grabbed a hold of me. You know, I've, endless people. John Fogarty's told me the same thing. I mean, he heard it, it just went straight into his heart, and he wa wanted to have it ever since. And so, yeah, listening to them really, really made me want to play, and and I, I wanted to play. It wasn't. I was never forced to play. You know, I was never told, go over there and practice. You know, it was like, no, nobody ever told me to do that. I think if they had, I would have revolted somehow. And But, you know, I I really enjoyed it and loved the sound of it, lived it, you know. And, and then when I got to meet Josh Graves and I got to play all these things back to him that I had learned off the record without seeing him do it, I was amazed at how many things I was doing right, you know, and there were a lot of things that I was doing with like with my left hand that were different and my right hand muting and blocking and all those kind of, you know, technical, technical uh, terms. Uh, I may have been doing different, but a lot of it was right. And I was really surprised. It was like it was like learning to speak a foreign language and then going there and, you know, meeting somebody and you speak and they understand you and you go, what the hell? You know, is that <laughs> I really did that? I really can't say something in another language. That's great. Well, now you you met uh, Josh. Yeah, I mean, it was fairly soon. I, I saw it was about three years after you started learning somewhere around there. Yeah, I was about 13 years old and uh, I was at a at a festival where he was playing with Lester Flat. Uh, Flat and Scruggs had split up by then and Josh was going back and forth between both bands and He'd get mad at Lester. He'd go play with Earl for a while. The same, and the other two. But uh, 
Yeah, I was about 13, and and I we we were camping. I was camping with my folks, and they these people next to us said, "Hey, Paul Warren and Josh Graves are coming here later to uh, you know sit around the campfire and tell jokes." And I knew uh, that's not true. They're coming here to drink <laughs> with all you people. So so I just kind of waited with my Dobro, waited behind a tree until he showed up, and he saw me. He came over with his guitar and handed it to me, his guitar. And it's like, that was the holy grail of Dobros, you know? That was like Bill Monroe giving you his mandolin or Earl Scruggs giving you his, your banjo, handing it to you. To me, that was that was something I never forgot, and I'll do that to this day. If there's a kid, you know, that's playing, that's learning to play, man, there's nothing better for someone than to, for, to have, you know, the person that they respect and they're trying to learn from help them directly you know hand hand i don't know how many times i've handed my guitar to people and they just go you know why doesn't why doesn't it sound like you (laughs) well if i play it it will sound like me but now right now like you and that's just fine you know i i have i have a sneaking suspicion you know they always have that adage uh never meet your heroes i'm guessing that wasn't true with josh was not true at all. No, we became really good friends. You know, by the time he passed, uh, we were buddies. He called me kid all the time. You know, he he knew that I was wanted to pick up his. I wanted to pick up his sword and move on. You know, and and he liked me. He liked my play. And he he I mean he he told me when I was thirteen. He said, "I'm going to see you again, kid." And and we became friends. And uh, in in his later days, you know, I was I was there a lot. I was at his house a lot, and and Earl Scruggs too. I just couldn't believe that I even knew these guys. You know, they were they were you know we had football players that were our big heroes, you know, and everything. But those guys, to me, exceeded that kind of uh, you know respectfulness. I I just couldn't believe they could do what they do, what they did, and. Uh, I've just tried to to carry on the example. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it, it, it might just be me, but sometimes when I look at like different genres of music, I mean, there's always the the greats in every genre that that are sort of open and whatnot. But to me, it seems like in bluegrass and in jazz, uh, they seem to be the genres where it doesn't really sort of matter your status. If you want to play, they'll play with you. And it, it's like you were saying with, with Bill and Josh, like they're these just giants and they'll hand over their guitar and say, go ahead, go at it. Yeah. Well, that's the kind of people they are, you know, they're that kind of people. And, and yes, bluegrass and jazz have so many things in common because they're both improv- improvisational musics, right? You you, uh, you have a melody, and then you then you sort of impress your uh, personality and opinion uh, and uh, how you hear that piece of music. But you have to you know have, you have to do some some you have to pay some dues first. You have to do not your whole ten thousand hours, but you know three or four thousand hours in, uh, they'll let you play with them. <laughs> And uh, it, it's a it's a thrill. I, I got to open up for uh, for John McLaughlin and Shakti uh, this past summer, and 
you know, I had been fans of that music. Just that, that is a genre of music that just blows everyone's mind. No one, no one can, those are the only guys who actually play that music. And they're the inventors of it. They're the, yeah, they're the creators of it. And they and to hear them play it, and I was really happy when they didn't ask me to fit in, uh, and <laughs> because it was a music that's there, you know. And and we feel that way about a lot of the stuff that we do, the bluegrass music stuff that we do with, you know, like with Bela and the things that he thinks up and the things that I think up of, you know. And they're always, they're always, they always have little tricks, little little trap doors in them somewhere mm -hmm. and, uh, but it's it's you know it's just fun it's fun to cross the genre lines i mean they're blurry anyway so <laughs> as bluegrass musicians have crept into a lot of places where it's harder to creep into bluegrass than it is to to go into the uh, play other genres of music from bluegrass because it's such a physical music it's it's built on a, a chromatic scale, and you know it, it has a lot of geographical history behind that goes with it. So uh, it's a hard music to play and to be authentic. Mm -hmm. And the same as it is for jazz or you know rock and roll, but it, it there are a lot more there are more rules and uh, and going from bluegrass, you're physically your physical chops are way up there you know and to get into the other musics that's one thing you really need you need to you need to be able to keep up with it you know you need to keep playing you can't you can't uh say oh no i'm out of this one i i'm my hands hurt or you know or i can't keep up or you know don't do so. anything like that you you want to be prepared for it you know but it's so much fun to play with you know, and, do and and dobro, especially the instrument that I play, is a sustained instrument, so it can do things that a lot of plectoral instruments can't do because they don't have the sustain or the the human vo vocal quality. You know that dobro has. Well, you went back into sort of the the traditional bluegrass. There, you you formed uh, Earls of Leicester back in 2014, and I mean that. Being that tribute, sort of tribute band, that had to be sort of really full circle for you once you put that together. Oh, it was. And, and you know, I'd always wanted to have a Flat and Scrubs band, you know. You know why wouldn't I? You know, I, I, I was raised on it. I heard it every morning before I went to school. Right? And, and then I would come home and listen to uh, the rock stations out of Cleveland at night. So I was confused. But... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I, I, uh, I really think that uh, I don't know. It's it's just a, it's just something you have to to really work on and and take a deep dive in into. It's it's a it's a complicated music and and to get the Earls together, I I sort of cast it, you know, uh, where I wanted Lester. I, w I wanted a Lester Flap, and he was the last person I found. But uh, the uh, Earl Scruggs and and uh, Paul Warren, Johnny Warren, is the, the fiddle player in the Earls, and he is the son of Paul Warren, and he only plays exactly like Paul Warren, and no one else does. 
but Johnny does. And it's just amazing how scary it is. I mean, our first rehearsal, I had to stop in the first song and just go, whoa, this, this is it. This is it. Let's let, you know, this is giving me cold chills. I got to stop for a second and take this in. And then we made a record and it won a Grammy. And it was like, like, you know, it was, it was just time for that music to come back. It had, it had left. It had left the bluegrass landscape. I mean, uh, the choreography part of it, you know, Flat and Scruggs were working on one, maybe two microphones. So there was a lot of choreography. If you wanted, whoever was playing the backup to the, to the, uh, to the, to the verse or to the chorus, well, you knew was going to be the next solo because they were like, they were close to that microphone. They were working their way in. And, and it's a, and it's a different kind of situation than most bluegrass bands find themselves in. You know, they're all standing at microphones. They don't move. They need to at least step back if they're not moving. So the sound man can guess who's playing. But, uh, <laughs> but we do choreography, man right in the middle right at the end of the chorus you know johnny warren will come flying down through the middle toward that vocal mic with that fiddle and you just got to get out of the way you know but that's one of the beautiful parts of of their music you know and how they worked it out it was it was like ballet bluegrass ballet back there plus these guys played like nobody else on earth you know and they played 250 days straight every year so it was it was it was cruel <laughs> but uh they they were on it all the time just amazing how long had you been setting on on the name because i love the name it's a pretty great pun i didn't have the name until i i was leaving london uh uh i was in a hotel and going to heathrow one morning and i passed the street called lester you know l-e-i uh c-e-s-t-e-r and i said and i knew that that was pronounced lester because you know uh worcester if you want to say worcester massachusetts you can but the name the way to say it is worcester because mm-hmm. it's uh it's not it's a it's just a, an english pronunciation old english pronunciation and yeah the earls of lester yeah i just thought and and then i got a i got a uh a, a an email from a ba- from a band in Italy of these kids who called themselves the Earls of Leicester and they were apologizing to me for stealing our name and I'm not sure it was the it wasn't the other way around you know but what <laughs> idea that I, what my play on words was about you know but they were they they relinquished and typed the name to us right away <laughs> Well, well, you uh, you just a couple of days ago, uh, you and the Earls of Leicester, you played uh, Earl Scruggs' hundredth uh, birthday celebration there at the uh, at the Ryman. How did how did that go? Great. Uh, two years ago, uh, after the all the uh, ball that happened there on January the sixth, you know, at the Capitol, we uh, my my manager booked the Ryman for January the 6th because that is Earl's break he said I've booked Earl's break uh 100th birthday at the Ryman and I said and he said you have to put a show together for the for the for the thing so I started working on it you know three or four months ago putting this together and making calls and ended up having 29 musicians on stage playing in bands 
together that they didn't don't normally play in. I mean, I had Del McCurry's whole band there, but Del McCurry's band as the Del McCurry band never did play together that night. It was it was Sam Bush and Del and and Jim Mills playing the banjo instead of Robbie and Sam playing the mandolin instead of Ronnie. You know, it, it was just a whole bunch of people mixed up. It was a collaboration. It wasn't a let's bring our bands in and play our latest songs. It was this is all about Earl and I and I built it from from the ground up from when he started from when he and his brother would play on the porch you know to when Earl joined Bill Monroe so that was like the next step I, I put it in chronological order to where uh, uh, the two brothers would played on the porch and that was Jim that was Jim Mills and Brian Sutton the guitar monsters and uh, and then went to the Bill Monroe part and then we did this fiddle banjo kind of crazy I, I thought up this crazy way that we could put fiddle and banjo players together and they could each play you know a part of a tune you know enough to you know to kind of get their yayas uh from their song and then another team stepped forward you know and it just went like that it just went like that eight three you know it was 12 12 minutes 13 minutes long the whole thing but they were all different songs and and played by different pairs nice. uh and then the Earls played, and uh, Bela, Bela, and uh, I had Bela come, and and everybody that was on my bluegrass heart was already there. Mm-hmm. So I did a piece of uh, my bluegrass heart, and then we did the Earl Scruggs review, and went out, you know, in chronological order, and played the played the big song, played uh, Beverly, uh, the uh, Foggy Mountain Breakdown, and we we even did. We ended the show with the Beverly Hillbillies theme, so everyone was happy, and we actually had Earl uh, on every. Uh, it's an old Opry thing because it didn't have air conditioning years ago. They would put these fans, these paper fans, on a stick on the seats, you know, and people would use those fan. We had we had Earl's face on every one of those fans, and at one point during the Earl show, we had everybody put. Earl in front of their face and we had a photographer who took a picture of 2200 Earl Scruggs in one room it's pretty it's a mind blower but <laughs> it was it was wonderful man it was great for there wasn't a person on stage that did not owe their you know entire musical career to Earl Scruggs you know nice, how nice. That's all felt and we were all there to to give back some love you know Fantastic, fantastic. Well, you uh, one of the one of the first bands uh, that you you played in at the Country Gentleman that was back nineteen nineteen seventy one, and I, I heard you you that was when you first played with it. You played them at, at a festival. They asked you to set in, and yeah. then they were so sort of blown away with your performance. They 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 wanted to sort of hire you on the spot. Uh, but you couldn't because you were still in high school. How bad did you want to leave leave school uh, to go play? I, you know, I, I wanted to go really bad. So, I, so, but I said, you know, I'm, I, I'm gonna this year. You know, I'm a junior in high school. I can't really leave. I, I want to get my. I want to get at least my high school education. And I had a. I had a scholarship, an English scholarship, to the University of Maryland that I had to forego. But I, I ended up living in Washington D.C. That's kind of close, 
And <laughs> but I was playing with a band, and uh, so I played between my junior and senior years of high school. Then went that back to, and finished high school. Then went turned eighteen, went straight, uh, moved straight to Washington D.C. and started playing with the with them in nineteen seventy four. Nice, nice. Well, Ricky Skaggs was obviously in that band, and I always with Ricky he. He, you know, he played with Bill Monroe when he was six. He played yeah. with Flat and Scruggs when he was seven. He yeah. plays the the fiddle, the guitar, the banjo, the mandolin. He's one of those guys that seems like he was just sort of like injected with music at birth. Was yeah. it was it one of those things? Pretty obvious when you met him. Like, wow, this guy's got some he's got some talent. Yeah, yeah, it was obvious, and he was ambitious too. So we we uh, we locked up right away. We uh, we became best friends. We were inseparable for for many many years there until until he started playing. Until he played with Amy Lou Harris, we were in every band together. And and uh, you know, there's a lot of lot of good stuff. You know, from uh, good memories of of growing up together, pretty much on the road. And uh, I know. Ricky's one of my best friends, and uh, you know, I was going. He's a call that I'm going to make this afternoon about his, uh, working with his son, who's become a producer, and and his son Luke. So it, it's uh, it's ongoing, you know. My uh, the show we did the other night, the Earl Scruggs show. My my daughter was the stage manager, but because she's she's been a road manager for Leon uh, Leanne Womack and Amanda Shires and. Uh, she works with. She's manages a band called Sublime. <laughs> you know Sublime. Is, I know Sublime. Well, she's got. She knows. She knows what's going on, and she was great with everybody. Everybody loved what Olivia did better than anything I did that night. They were. She was herding cats that evening. But it's <laughs> our kids get involved in it now, you know, and that's happening a lot in this town in nashville you know it's a full of musicians and full, now full of musicians kids who've become what their parents were before you know it's, it's 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 a nice shift it's a good it's a good quality shift well somebody you you met later on after ricky uh, a good deal after ricky who was a kid when you when you met her was allison allison kraus and I heard, you know, I mean, that was, she was sort of known as a, a violin virtuoso back then, not really a singer. And mm. I heard you saying, you know, I heard you in an interview being one of those that was like, I, I, I was trying to promote, you know, saying the voice, that's, that's <laughs> your ticket. How long did it, how long did you know her before you were like, Hey, that's, that's the, that's the golden ticket. That's the thing that you should be promoting there. Well, it's it it didn't take me any time at all to to come to the conclusion that she's a great fiddle player, but the voice was like, and she was sort of playing that that was that was second, you know. What she she really wanted to be a fiddle player, and she played in lots of fiddle contests and won, and and uh, she has some great stories about that kind of stuff. But but. Yeah, what I noticed, she sang us a song, and we all just went, whoa, you know, we've never heard that before. To, so to us, it was uh, Sam and Bela, uh, Sam Bush and Bela Fleck and, and myself, we were there 
uh, Ken Irwin, who were, was the fellow that pretty much found Allison, uh, was one of the original rounder founders. And that he brought her to us because he was looking for somebody to produce her records. And, uh, and I ended up playing on the whole first record of hers and, and making lots of comments and, you know, arrangements, ideas and stuff like that, you know, but, but I did not produce that record. I, I produced the next two records of hers. And then she, she knew what to do after that. She's done a good job, but, uh, the stuff that we've done with, uh, with union station, that's a sort of a, everybody throws in, you know, on that, that's a really a, a band production. But Allison comes up with the songs, and then we find out. We mold them into these beautiful paintings, you know, that mm-hmm. she just to wrap around her voice. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. let's let's uh, let's let's go to your your music there. Let's go to some of the the Jerry Douglas band. Um, your your number one. I was taking a look at uh, the Spotify, and uh, the number one song has over a uh, hundred million uh, almost a hundred million streams just on Spotify there is is the boxer is the yeah. cover you know with uh, Mumford and sons and, and and Paul Simon and I was just uh I was wondering uh you know that I mean that song came out roughly when Mumford and sons was yeah I, I would say at the height of their popularity um right. and then you get the original songwriter on it um yeah. Tell me how that song, how you decided to do that song, and then just how you put the pieces together there. Well, I was I was in uh, in London playing playing with Allison. Uh, we were doing I think we did four nights at the Queen's Hall and in, in uh, right by the right by the London Eye. If you want to put a if you want to put a dart uh, a, a dart on it, uh, but. Uh, and I was walking across this walking bridge with with Marcus Mumford, and we were talking about it, and, I, and said, "What do we want to do?" You know, I said, he, "They were they wanted they knew they wanted were going to be part of my record, but we didn't know exactly what we we're going to do." And he said, "What about what about the the boxer?" He said, "I know Emmy Lou Harris's version better than the original one," and I I said, "Great, I love it. I love it. I mean, I love I mean, I loved playing the boxer with Emmy Lou." So, yeah, who doesn't want to play that song? And so we recorded, went out in the country and recorded it at, uh, there was a, uh, there's a band called Jamiroquai. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mm-hmm. keyboard player for Jamiroquai owned this great uh, studio out in the country. Nobody would bother you. Nobody, you mean, like you say, they were at the top of their, you know, they were really famous. So I sneaked these guys out into the country and we had a guy come in, cook for us. We didn't see anybody in the whole three days we were recording. And we cut that song, pretty much thought we had it finished. And I brought it home and, and sent it to Paul just for his blessing, you know. And uh, he said, do you mind if I put some stuff on here? <laughs> I said, what am I going to say? No. Uh, so he put... He, he sang some really high parts way up there. And and he has, there were Tibetan bowls. There are all these kind of crazy sounds in there that just filled it out so nice. You know, and, and I think there were things that he wished he had done to the original, maybe. You know, and, and uh, so that came out on my record and it also came out on 
Mumford and Sons record as well. So yeah, that that one has a lot of hits. <laughs> there you go. Mostly for those guys, I will say, and they're all, you know, we're all great friends to this day. You know, and and I'll see them pretty soon. I'll be back over there at the end of uh, January. I go back over for uh, Celtic Connections Transatlantic Sessions. Mm-hmm. I've been twenty years or something like that. The uh, that would I would definitely say that would be some some moxie if uh, if Paul Simon asked uh, to 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 do something to the song. He said, "No, no, no. I think you're you're going to screw this one up." I think, I think we got it. I think I think we're good, Paul. Uh, <laughs> say that this most recent uh, Jerry Douglas Band album. It was a bit of a, a pandemic project uh, with John Hyatt. Leftover feelings. Oh right, and. And I I heard he came uh, he came to you with the songs. Um, did you know he was coming with these yeah. songs, or was it just sort of like, oh, by the way, here's all these songs that I have? <laughs> we we both worked through the same management company, um, and uh, so they were talking. They were all talking, and they were going, "Hey, what about what if Jerry produced John's record?" And they asked John, and John said, "Yeah, yeah, let's go." So that's when I went to John's house and he gave me a bunch of songs and, and I walked away with all these songs and just mind blown, you know, here's John Hyatt handed me this, these jewels, you know, and I get to, I get to, uh, I get to color them. And, uh, so I had a, I, my band, uh, Mike Seal on guitar and Daniel Kimbrough playing upright bass and electric bass and Christian Settlemeyer, great violinist who can come up with string sections at the drop of a hat. And, and, uh, so we, we went in just, us. and he didn't want to use drums. So we did not use the drummer that we usually had in the band. And since then we haven't had drums in our band. Uh, we like the sound, the openness of that sound and the sound of that record. And but those songs I mean, John Hyatt is, uh, is an incredible writer. I don't, I don't think I have to say that, too many times but he just keeps coming with this stuff you know he's not nearly you know songwriters sometimes taper off but john not john not john he's he's full blast all the time he's always writing things down nice but you got to you got to record it in rca studio b um was that the first time you'd recorded there i recorded there with chet atkins um once in a while chet would just call, call up a bunch of buddies and say, "Hey, you guys, come over here and we'll just play for a while." And I've done I've done that a few times with with Chet and Buddy Emmons. And there's one thing out there on on uh, out there on uh, YouTube of us playing Buddy Emmons, Edgar Meyer, Sam Bush, Fleck and me and Mark O'Connor, I think, and uh, and Chet. He just like he just. You know, he was bored. He wanted to play. He called us up, and we're and, and this is like the Paul Simon thing. What are we going to say? Ah, not today, Chet. And so we went on down, and you know, was, the guy was just so incredible to be around. You know, he's just this walking encyclopedia, but he was not trying to impress. You know, he wasn't that kind of fella. He he was just. We were playing music and having having a great time together. There's a lot of camaraderie there. But this was but, this. I'm I'm guessing this time going in there with John. This is the first time you were at the the controls. Yeah, yeah. 
And uh, I took a great engineer in there with me, Sean Sullivan, who's been doing records with me for a long time now. And we figured out the spots in the room. You know, there's a green X on the floor where Elvis used to stand and sing. I mean, they have it all marked out, you know, where people used to do things. That part, that place wasn't the best place for John, but we, we, we moved around in the studio and found the best place to best places to be but the studio has got a sound of its own when you record in that place there is a sound to that room that you you can't get rid of so you know don't record there if you don't want this sound I mean, it's just a big it's the nashville sound it's it's just a big open room and with a tile full with an asbestos tile floor that's shiny 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 and uh and all of this great all this great history and things all around the walls. You know, I saw, I found a, 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 a Wurlitzer, you know, that was over there. And I said, this has to be, I saw, no, it was a Celeste. And I said, this has to go on the record somewhere. We found a place for that, you know, so we would just go around and, and find these sounds in that studio that we knew had been used so many times, but let's see what it sounds like on our record. And, and it, yeah, I love the record. And we made a, documentary too and the documentaries has won all kinds of awards all over the all over the country for uh just being the documentation of making the record but uh man it was a great experience and john's a good friend and had an accident last fall but he's on the mend and he's doing great he's back you nice. know he's john hyatt <laughs> well now you've got, uh, you, like you said, you've got about two weeks coming up in the United Kingdom. Uh, you're doing the uh, transatlantic sessions, like you said, and you, I mean, you've been part of that since the beginning, since since '95. Um, and I, I, it seems like it would be a different, definitely a different feel. What what it's what is it like to get to play with those musicians? amazing amazing it's mean that that music is is just blood boiling you know it, it it's it's so hard it's so technical it's it it's it's not easy and they and they're you know and and they are it, that is to them like bluegrass is to me you know the celtic tunes and but we get over there and we we throw people all people together you know people from over here who don't play that kind of music and we kind of just make a collaboration of and a meeting place of of both and make everybody happy and and have all the collaborations work and and by the end of this thing by the by after we rehearse for three days take it on the road for about nine days and the the last one is it that's the end it never happens again oh but you know it's just what it starts out to be all these people who don't know each other into this family, you know, who all sing with each other, sing each other's parts, know each other's songs. It's a pretty beautiful musical situation. And I've been part of it for a long time now. And uh, I look forward to it so much because my last name is Douglas. So, and the whole thing starts in Glasgow, Scotland. So why wouldn't I be happy uh, walking down a street that my great grandfather probably walked down as well in there in Glasgow. And, um, I feel at home there. I love all the musicians. I've known them all. I mean, the band is pretty much the same as it started out to be in 95, except, you know, a couple of guys have 
come in and replace uh, uh, people that have have gone on, you know, to other other places or, you know, aged out. You know, sometimes that happens. It's going to happen to me sooner or later. Uh, but I want to meet the fella who does it. <laughs> but uh, but uh, <laughs> but it's just it's so much fun, and and it's uh, we're traveling around. We all get to be this, you know just this one big old happy family singing these songs that are from Celtic songs. Some of them are in Gaelic. Some of them are instrumentals that just will set your hair on fire. You know, it's just, you know, when they start playing one of these, one of these reels or jigs or, you know, they've got all kinds of names for it and links and somebody will yell and everybody will go into the next song. Like they knew, you know, (laughs) but it's all perfect. It's just, it's a great musical situation, and the, cr- the the thing is sold out every year before we even announce who's going to be on it because they know it's going to be something good. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we work, hard. we do work hard. It's a great band. Nice, nice. Well, when when you swing, uh, when you swing back to the states and you start playing with your band with the Jerry Douglas Band, does it feel like a big switch? Uh, from going from those transatlantic sessions, like, I mean, is there something you have to do sort of as a musician? Well, yeah, I, I'm, but I'm a chameleon, you know, I'm, I'm a forever chameleon. I've, I've cut my teeth on, on sessions here in Nashville where you walk, you come into the studio, you've never heard the song before. They play you the song, you chart out the song, you hand you a chart one or the other and you go in and you play something you've never heard before and you and you play it right and you play it fast and you put you learn fat you learn it fast mm-hmm. and then you put your personality stamp on there and uh, so going into these situations with these people and then coming back to my situation is uh you know it's just another flick of the switch it's and uh I, I fall right back into it. You know, I might bring us something a little, a little something extra that I heard while I was over there. Somebody plays something and I went, Whoa, I'm going to incorporate. I know exactly where that goes. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's fun. It's fun to play. You know, I just love music and I, and I love playing in all these different situations. And even at festivals, a lot of festivals, I mean, even this coming summer, I am like the guy. Uh, uh, what do you call it? I'm just I play with everybody, um, <laughs> the artists, residents, and I. You know, the hardest part is waiting to go play. <laughs> but it's it's fun. I mean, they know by now that I I try to fit into any situation. So I think they're just trying to throw me off somehow. I mean, they're trying to catch me in something I don't know how to do, and they haven't done it yet. Well. What what is when when your band plays? Uh, it it seems like to me. I, I'm just guessing that your set list would be pretty fluid. You don't necessarily always have it just locked down, or do you? Do you come in and say, "This is what we're doing, guys. This is this. This is this," or or do you sometimes go by feeling, throw curveballs in there? I throw curveballs, but I, I really like I like it when we we do do the same set you know, for a few nights in a row and just kind of really shine that thing, you know, bring it to a high gloss, you know, and, 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 uh, learn every, every move that, that we're each going to do, you know, and try to back up each other, support each other and, 
and then you know sometimes just turn everything loose and let it just giant, one giant jam you know nice. I'll, or I'll throw a song or I'll just even kick off a song and they know what it is and we'll it's like Bob Dylan you know it's like oh those guys Bob Dylan doesn't have a set list and and he never will and yeah. you know, does he's not going to play it you know uh and i i like that i like being you know for everybody to be on their toes and especially me i like to know what's going on and well uh, it's fun that's all well one last question is there do you have any new jerry douglas music set to be released this year are there any jerry douglas band uh song uh, albums or eps or anything coming out yeah, actually, we we've been we've been recording uh, uh, this this winter. We we went in for a while in October, and I, I imagine we'll go back in again uh, early spring sometime. But we have we there was a concerto that I I wrote uh, for a festival a couple years ago that we played there, but never played again. We've recorded that. We've recorded a bunch of the of the set list that we do because they're all scattered on different records. I thought, let's put it all down with this band, the way this band sounds now, and what those songs sound like with this band now, you know? So it's like people are always leaving the concert going, where can I find that song? Where can I find that song? Well, I'm going to make it easy for you. <laughs> <laughs> but that's going to come out in the fall, and I imagine there'll be some other things that... that come floating out of here too i mean there are some great records and i produced a record on a guy named chris jacobs who uh is a baltimore rocker but uh i used i, I got him and, and i used the infamous string dusters as his band and so i married that and pulled some other ringers in too and uh wow what a record and and uh, i can't wait for that to come out that that should be out in may i think and uh, it's going to be a big record. And and actually, uh, we've been recording uh, for the past couple of years. We've been recording with Allison. Acus has been out there again. We're, so Union Station is going to go back out in in uh, 2025. So there's Got more on the plate than I was, I was about to say. Looks like it's going to be a very busy year. It is. A, it's going to be a really busy year this year. And I'm trying just when I'm trying to slow things down a little bit, here we go, you know? <laughs> yeah, but, you, you know, it's not a problem when you love it. No, it's not a problem. What what would I retire from, you know? <laughs> well, Why? Well, Jerry, we are up against a break, but I want to I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Well, it's been, a, it's been a pleasure to talk to you, and I can't wait to get down there and play. And, and people, people down there... Uh, Pontevedra, and when we're playing the, also the Amelia uh, uh, Music Festival, Amelia Music Festival mm -hmm. down there as well. So we'll be down there for a little while on on that one. And sure. I'm really looking forward to playing down there. There were always always great audiences, always uh, a lot of fun. For sure, for sure. Listeners, you can stream all of his music on all streaming services. You can keep up to date with the touring schedule. Remember, February 24th. 25th you can look at it on social media at jerry douglas or on his website jerrydouglas.com right now let's take a listen to the jerry douglas band with john hyatt 
This is Mississippi Phone Booth right here on the Doc G Show. On the Doc a G, a show, Spinnick Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. You just heard Jerry Douglas. Mike, fantastic. You know, I, w- yeah. I wish I had something like that in my career like him. And the fact of, uh, you know, being so accomplished. You know, mm-hmm. I would like to think that me and you would someday become that accomplished at something that we do. You know, maybe it's... We will. You in comedy, maybe it's 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 me for uh, uh, Pong. Huh? I don't know. Mm. Collectively, the Doc G show. This yeah, is what the, the we collectively, will be known for. you know. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know if I'm gonna ever get to the point, uh, the equivalent of the Doc G show being on 1,600 albums and no, uh, 15 Grammys and being the greatest of all time host, like he is the greatest all time. Dobro player like that's Mm -hmm. you know you just sort of sit back and you're like this is what I set out to do in my life and guess what Mm -hmm. I effing accomplished it so true yeah you know like that's that's got to feel good Mm -hmm. you know and then on top of that it's just what he wants to do like it wasn't like you know it's like I got to do this I'm gonna be no it's just I love playing the Dobro and I'm gonna do it you know Mm -hmm. kudos to him that's just amazing yeah and then on top of that, Mike, uh, I do like the fact that after, you know, once he starts playing the Dobro, he literally gets to meet his hero, like, th- three, you know, th- three years after he starts playing the Dobro. And normally, you hear that all the time, don't meet your heroes. But he met his hero, and guess what? It was awesome. You know? Hmm. Like, that's pretty great. Like, you don't normally yeah. hear that. Normally, it's like, oh, I hmm. met my hero, and they were a giant bag. And that yeah. was not good, you know? Like... <laughs> Sadly, Mike, I hear that a lot in comedy. You know, not from yeah. you. I haven't heard that from you in comedy. I've heard a couple of people you mentioned that, you know, but we will on Not anybody that you yeah. spend a good amount of time with. Joe Coy, not Joe Coy. Fantastic. No. Uh, other other folks. But like, yeah. you know, Rob I've heard, Schneider. <laughs> I've heard I've heard it a lot, you know, about like different comedians and they, and that sucks cuz you don't want to like, you know, you don't want to be like, oh, I'm doing this thing, and it's cool. It's sort of like yeah. when you when you uh, wrote uh, Louis C uh, or Louis Black, and Louis Black uh, wrote you back. You know, that's awesome. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's uh, awesome. You know, it's cool so when that happens. It, it's good. It's good to hear that. Uh, mm-hmm. Apparently, in the Dobro world, that's how it goes down too. You know, mm-hmm. so solid. Yeah, but Mike, we need to move on to the fastest growing segment in the world. Mike, see top three. Correct. Mike, uh, you, you've picked a topic that I enjoyed here. Um, this is a good one. You know, this is a bit of a curveball. Mm-hmm. Something might people different. might not just think of off the top of the head. You said, I want to go top three skyscrapers. Mm-hmm. Now, Mike, yes. I went ahead and made this. Um, it has to be a building. I was going to do the structures as well, like the Tokyo Tower and like things. Mm. Like, and I was like, well, that's not a building. I mean, it needs to be a building for me. So yeah. I don't know if you added any structures in like that, but no, 
Okay. It could have actually been, for me, it could have just been top New York City high rises. Oh, wow. You just <laughs> went New York. Wow. I mean, I got one on the, uh, on the, um, the honorable mentions well, that is in New York, but let me jump on my honorable mentions here. Okay. Uh, first off, there's one that actually never came to be. It was a proposed building. Hmm. Um, it still could happen, but it probably won't. And it's known as the Big Bend Building in New York. Big Bend Mill. Okay. Yeah. Big Bend out. Building. It's just a big U-turn, basically. It's a giant arc that they were proposing in New York. Oh, yeah. I saw that. So they're not doing that? They're not making that? They proposed it, but it just looks like it's it's probably not going to happen. Like, it was proposed mm. back in 2017. So, um, it just looks wild. Like, I'm all yeah, for... Yeah, it does. I'm all for new things. That looks pretty cool. There's probably no way an actually go up in that curve. Oh, my God. I'd crap my pants going up in that <laughs> curve yeah um but uh that's an honorable mention even though it doesn't exist what another honorable mention adobe 318 mike the adobe 318 building in melbourne australia it's not very tall it's only 615 feet tall uh it was built in 2015 but it just looks wild the architecture of it they made it look super curvy Oh, yeah. And it's just, it's like you got a bunch of waves in the side of the building. And, yeah, uh, that is wild. It's just pretty awesome. I was like, that's I some, love that. some dope architecture there. Uh, yeah, there was a building in New York that I was trying to find, and I could not find the name of this building because there's another spiral building that's actually called mm. the Spiral Building in New York that has that same kind of like texture on the side of the building. But yeah, yeah that's awesome. That's awesome, Dr. G. Uh, then another honorable mention, Central Park Tower, uh, built in 2019, New York City's tallest residential building, 1,550 feet. It's not too crazy, but it's just, I think it's awesome that it's an actual residential building. You know, people are just living in that massive thing. That's pretty awesome. Mm. I like that. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, well, let's see, two more for the honorable mentions. Honorable mention, Taipei Tower, Taipei 101. Yes! Uh, built in 2004 in Taipei, Taiwan. That's just kick-ass architecture right there. It, it was the tallest building in the world for like a year at 1,667 feet. And it's just got sort of your ancient Chinese historical architecture. And it's just, uh, yeah, it looks awesome. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it does kind of have that, like, classic. Yeah. Or that, like, kind of like the a The roof Chinese, structure yeah. and the boxiness. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. It's awesome. It's a huge, huge fan. Huge fan. And then. That's a cool building. The last one, uh, Turning Torso Building. Finished in 2005 in Sweden. Only 623 feet, but it's sort of like you were saying, the spiral yeah. idea. Just mm -hmm. looks like a, a person twisting their body, and apparently that, that was... That is cool. That was what the architect uh, uh, was inspired by, was a picture of somebody turning their torso. So it was called Turning Torso uh, Building. There you go. Mm. There you go. Yeah, it does look like the building is just like turning around like, what's up? Yeah, just looking, looking <clears throat> over their shoulder like, huh? It also makes it look a little... I don't know. It just doesn't look sturdy. Yeah, well, yeah, you do get a little worried that you're just going to like... It looks like, like it has like a really weak bottom. 
but uh, but yeah, it's just the angle that you're looking at. It's what some people have said yeah. about me. Mm. Ah. He's got a really weak bottom. <laughs> oh, <laughs> a derogatory. Um, uh. Mike, my number three. Oh, sorry, your honorable mentions. Honorable mentions, um, Mike. Yeah, I have a couple. Uh, Burj Khalifa, of course. What an amazing building. That's an honorable um, mention. Yeah, wow. it's an honorable mention for me. I mean, I could have gone like top three because it's like such an incredible yeah. looking building, but I've never seen it in person. So I feel like for me, I just, I don't want to put it in the top three unless I've actually okay. seen it. None of mine um, I have. Uh, well, no, one of mine. Never mind. One of mine I have seen. <clears throat> but yeah, Burj Khalifa. And then also the Steinway Tower. Mm, Steinway um, Tower. Yeah. Now, where is the Steinway Tower? So, Steinway Tower is in New York. It's the it's right next to the um, parks, the park uh, Central oh, Park yeah, building. Oh yeah, yeah. The uh, uh, this the is the thin, really thin one. Yes. Yeah, it's the really thin one. A modern um, masterpiece. Mm. I've actually never seen this building. I haven't been to New York since they've built this, but it looks pretty cool. It does look pretty wild. Uh, Every time I see uh, pictures of it, you're just like. Holy crap! Look at that! Look yeah. at that toothpick just standing out there. Like, yeah, pretty, pretty wild. The view from the bottom up looks wild. Too. Oh yeah, like just oh, yeah. the way it looks. But uh, but yeah, so those are my honorable mentions. I like it. I like it. Yeah. My, my number three, Mike. <clears throat> my number three, the uh, uh, the Abraj Albate Tower. Abraj Albate Tower in Mecca. It was completed in 2012. It's just a massive clock tower, man. Yeah. I mean, just a massive, massive clock tower. It's the sixth tallest building in the world. It's 1,972 feet tall. Like, and it's just got that classic structure, man, of a clock tower. Yeah. And you're like, holy mm -hmm. crap, that thing is giant. Like... It's uh, it's wild, you know. Yeah, that would be cool to see in person. That actually was about to make it into my honorable mentions too. I mean, um, you know, I'm yeah. not, I'm not Muslim, but I'd get pretty excited to go to Mecca, you know, just for that. I'd be like, you know what, I wanna, I wanna get down. I wanna get down on the old clock yeah. tower, you know. Anyways, yeah, Mike, you're number three. My number three, fifty-six Leonard Street. 56 Leonard. I'm going to have to put yeah, this one in here. So, um, okay, I'll yeah, put it in. So check this out. Oh, wow. Pretty wild type yeah. of architecture. It's like they were building a regular building for the first few floors, and then they were like, how about we make it look like a really weird Jenga building? I was about to say, how that? about we yeah. make a Jenga, uh, a Jenga competition? <clears throat> it really does look like a Jenga tower. I'm how cool! I'm surprised they they didn't like all like you know. I looked up a whole bunch of uh, list of like greatest architecture, coolest like, and this one wasn't on there. How does this not make it on there? I don't know. Yeah, and technically too, it's a skyscraper because it's above forty stories. I believe was what the def definition of a skyscraper is so it's yeah. like something they they, uh, they yeah. really got bizarre up there at the top yeah, yeah they really started right. throwing them throwing them just left and right there yeah it's what a cool cool design for and a building it's so glassy too like when you get close up to it and you can just see through like most of it that's wild yeah cool building i mean that's is my that number three. is is that office building or is that uh residential residential oh that's why i'm pretty sure it's residential yeah 
I bet you. I bet you those places are pretty pricey. Yo, I bet yeah. You, I bet yeah, you that's definitely. not. A, that's not a cheap. That's not a cheap rent, guys. No, no way. way. No way. And uh, it's in Tribeca too, so it's like ooh. a really like that's an expensive part of the. Oh yeah, that's where that's where uh, Swifty lives. That's where Taylor's yeah. at. Um, Mike, my number two, your honorable mention, Burj Khalifa. Burj Khalifa. Finished 2009, tallest building in the world, 2,722 feet. Jeez. Uh, my God. Uh, like that's that's insane. Yeah. You're you're over half a mile. You're over half a mile in the sky at the top of that thing. That is nuts. Yeah, it is. Did you it, ever see the uh, picture of Tom Cruise at the top of it? Mm-mm. There's a picture of Tom Cruise at the very top of like whatever you call that, the steeple or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's it, whatever. Oh, that, yeah, uh, I see him. There it is. There yeah. he is. It's that is. The very top. That, that crazy Scientologist. My God. <laughs> Just look at him go. Pretty cool picture, though. That is pretty wild, man. That is pretty. I, uh, I, I, I'm not super scared of heights, but I think I would crap my pants on that one. <laughs> yeah, right, that's that's a bit much. Parachute or not, like yeah, it's a, no, yeah, that's that's a bit much. That's yeah. a bit much. Mike, you're number two. My number two. Uh, this is another one of those Central Park buildings, but it's 432 Park Avenue. 432 Park yeah. Avenue. Yeah. So super unique building. Um, it's uh, looks just like a, it's just a big square, perfectly oh, yeah. square mm-hmm. tower. Yeah, um, that's also a residential building. Um, they have had issues with the plumbing apparently. I heard that there's uh, <clears throat> they have. Well, I saw it just when pipes. I was putting when I was just putting it in. Actually, that was the thing that came up on Google it's 432 uh, uh, problems yeah so but uh, there's a lot of really interesting technology like there's a I don't know there's like some kind of like in the middle of the building is how they keep it balanced with the wind I don't understand here's 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 a uh, here's an article from the New York Times Mike safety issues and defects of troubled super tall tower are vastly exaggerated developer says oh vastly exaggerated okay there you go the the guy that made it says don't listen to him don't worry about it come on 20 million bucks it's not gonna fall (laughs) it's fine it does Uh, look it it looks actually a lot cooler uh, closer up I think like yeah. when when you're looking at it from the bottom, it looks pretty pretty wild. Those the glass looks great. Like the glass doesn't go with the rest of the structure, in my opinion. It looks pretty awesome. The, the, yeah. The, the, the dynamic it looks wild. Um, Mike, my yeah. number one. I went with an absolute classic. I went with one uh, that you know, it's old school, very old school, Chrysler building. Yes, Chrysler Building. Love it. Finished in 1930. It was the first man-made structure taller than 1,000 feet. It was the world's tallest building for approximately 11 months. Uh, And it just, I mean, it just looks cool, man. Yeah, it does. The the Art Deco top of it just looks so cool. To me, you know, like, I I don't want to start a fight here. Uh, with the listeners, but to me, it's way cooler than the Empire State Building. Yeah, I mean, like, 
it's, to me, it's to cool. me, it's more iconic than the the Empire State Building. Like when I see that, I think New York. When I see the the Chrysler Building, I mean, yeah. I think New York. When I see the Empire State Building too, I just think like when they have a lit up skyline of New York, and you see that little you know Art Deco arcs all mm-hmm. over the top. You're just like, oh yeah, New York. There we go. Yeah. Like uh, it's just awesome. It's, just it's awesome. also cool. They're, they're not gargoyles, but they have some kind of like eagles. The hood or ornaments. Something. Yeah, yeah the, they got the, the eagles on there, and then they've got the Chrysler hood ornaments on there. There's all yeah. kinds of wacky it's crap cool. going up the side of it. And then the inside yeah. of it's pretty just classic, man. It's, I mean, you know, it's it's real nice in there. So I've not been inside the Chrysler building. Um, it's classic. It. It's classic. Yeah. I mean, you know, in an Art Deco classic kind of way. But those, yeah. it's like you mentioned, those eagles are pretty, that's pretty mean looking up there at the top. But yeah, they look pretty cool. Anyways, Mike, your number one. Well, my number one is uh, the Empire State Building. Ah! And it's okay. I love the Empire State Building. I've been in that building a few times, went to the uh, viewing. But it's just like the first time I ever saw New York City, like the New York City skyline, mm-hmm. That was that's the building. I mean, that is when you drive into the city, that's the building that you see. You don't see the Freedom Tower, or at least from the angle that I drove into the city, you know, and you just, well, it's Empire all, State yeah, Building. It's, it's, just, it's, it's all by itself. Yeah, it's all by itself. Like, it's, uh, you know, it's just... Um, it's there It's there in, yeah. what is that? Is that Midtown? Just a classic. Yeah, that, I think it's, yeah. it's Midtown. Yeah, you know, um, and I mean, it's just it's just there by itself, standing, standing sort of... And like I said, don't get me wrong. I like it. Uh, mm-hmm. I was going to put it on my honorable mention. Uh, you know, I mean, it is classic. I've been up to the old obs- uh, observatory deck. I've yeah. been there. Yeah, that's um, cool, right? But, uh, yeah, for, for my money, that, that top of the uh, the Chrysler just gets me. That gets yeah. me over the, the, the New York, uh, uh, the Empire State Building. But both of them, uh, fantastic, Mike. They are yeah. skyscrapers. They They're are what beautiful. you think of when you think skyscraper. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they were sure. built in the age of skyscrapers in in the 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 end of the twenties. What a what a bummer too for both of them. You're building the buildings. You're in the roaring twenties. You never think money is going to be a problem, and then all of a sudden, right when you're about to finish the building, the whole world collapses, and you're just yeah. like, oh, oh, we really put a lot of money into this. Oh, this <laughs> is bad. Oh, this sucks. Everybody doesn't have a job. Oh, oh man, we just spent like millions of dollars on this thing. Damn it, two million. <laughs> yeah, like it's <laughs> Back wild. In old money. Yeah, uh, that was. I you know I was going to mention that the Burj Khalifa was like one point five billion, mm-hmm. and I was thinking about that. I was like, man, Jeff Bezos or uh, you know Elon Musk, somebody that just has an absolutely of money, should just yeah. make one of those for themselves. Just like, you know, go to the random place in America, go to like Iowa and be like, you know what? Giant tower here. We're going to make the world's <laughs> tallest t- tower. Like, I mean, you got, you've got $200 billion. Why not spend yeah. $3 billion on making a tower that's the tallest in the world? I would. I think Jeff Bezos is on his way there. He, yeah. he did the clock. Yeah, he made you stupid know, he crap like clock. that. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead and make a tower. Spaceships. Why not? 
He's being Juan? coy. He needs to put out <laughs> the Bezos tower. Go, go for the tower. You're all halfway to space once you get there. You know, yeah. you can just make that you, arc tower a real thing. Exactly. That, yeah. Go for the big bend. Do it. Yeah. Do it. Anyways, Mike, that was a good topic. What do we have there for our uh, Ooh. for our topic next week? How about this one? Top three home cooked meals. Hmm. Mm. What do you think? Hmm. Yeah, I think or, I can go with it. Okay. Well, 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 what's the, what's the other? Well, this one is a little bit personal, but it could it it doesn't have to be really a money thing, but it could be top top three paydays, top three times you were paid. Hmm. Like most memorable. I don't know. Paydays. I think I think all of those would pretty much come out to like kid paydays. You know, when that's I got what, money that's when what I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. My, yeah, yeah, like uh, when it means the most. Yeah, um, oh yeah, when you when you have five dollars to your name and you get twenty five and you're like, I'm f-ing rich, everybody. <laughs> uh, let's uh, let's let's go with the home cooks. Let's go with okay. the home cook. Okay, okay, cool. Top three home cooked meals. Now, uh, let's let's set a little bit of parameter here, Mike. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, are we saying? Home cooked meals that we've ever had by other people, or things mm. that we would prefer to cook. What 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 are we doing? Yeah, top three home cooked meals. I think that would be a better thing if we go with top three meals that other people make that are home cooked. That we're like, that's that's killer. That's that's some good stuff, you know. Okay. Or uh, or we can go with, you know, top three that, like... I don't really uh, know. I was just, like, kind of brainstorming uh, top three home-cooked meals. And I was like, oh, that seems like a pretty good one. But, I, yeah, I guess it was a little broad or I was a little not Well, specific. it's just, like, is it going to be me? Because if it's going to be me cooking, it's going to be different things. And it's definitely not going to be as good as far as the things that other people have cooked me home-cooked-wise. Mm, yeah. You know? Top three home cooked meals. We'll just uh, we'll see what happens. Okay, <laughs> like, we'll just top three it. We'll, we'll do like a, like a couple yeah. of the past ones. We'll come in and wing it. <laughs> we'll have totally different top threes. Exactly, uh, but, that's uh, happened uh, yeah. in the past a couple of times. It's all yeah, right. We'll we'll figure it out. We're going home cooked meals. Everybody, put it home down. Top meals. three uh, home cooked <laughs> meals. Mike, we're going to move on to the old uh, two birthday suits left. Right now, you are six out of seven, still on the hot streak. Say what? You are 89 and a half out of 157. Let's end with two victories here. Let's get it. Uh, first off, uh, here's the condensed clue. A Daily Show alum that played on The Office and in the Hangover movies as Stu the Dentist. He was in The Office? He was in the office. And he was a Saturday Night Live alumni. Daily show. Daily show alumni. Okay. Um, hmm. And he was Stu in the hangovers, all the hangover movies. Stu. Yeah, I forgot the den- I forgot uh, the hangovers. Um He was not he wasn't uh he he was not the original boss on the office. He became the boss much later in the last couple of seasons. Ah, uh, um, 
Ah, oh, what's his name? Ah, uh, come on. I'll give you a couple other movies that he was in really quick. He was in The Goods. He was in Cedar Rapids. He was in uh, The Dewey Cox Story. Walk don't hard. know, don't know, don't know. Oh, sad. Sad. Yeah. You should you should definitely know uh, Walk Hard, The Dewey Cox Story. That's an Oh, awesome wait, one. I did watch that movie. I did yeah. watch that movie a long time <laughs> ago. Yeah. Um, Anywho, initials. Andy, e. and That's no, his name in the e. office. Um, his name Ed, is Andy. Ed yep. Holmes. A little bit of a tweak there on the last name. Ed Helms. There we go. There it is. Ed Helms. Ed Woo! Helms. You worked for that one, Mike. You worked for it. Congratulations. Man. I'm giving you full credit. I mean, you I had to work. I actually didn't know he was on The Daily Show. Oh, yeah. I didn't know he was on oh, The Daily yeah. Show. One mm. of the many, man. Stephen Colbert mm. and Ed Helms and... Uh, 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 Carell, Steve Carell, like I mean, you had all those guys. I thought you were going to go with Steve Carell, you know, because of the Office idea, and I was like, yeah, but he wasn't in the Hangover. I know definitely that. not in the Hangover. No, mm -hmm. no, no. Nicely done, Mike. You're one and Thank a half you. for two today. Here we go. I think you got this last one. Uh, people know our birthday suit wear sometimes as one of the best Saturday Night Live characters. He was also a blues brother Dan Aykroyd also played in Animal House um <clears throat> the other blues brother yeah uh I'm blanking on the name for some reason um it's not Belushi it is Belushi yeah What's the first uh, name? God. I don't know. I'm, I'm blanking. It's okay. I don't want to waste time. Starts with a J. Starts with a J. Mm-hmm. John. No. John, John Belushi. Belushi. John Belushi. Come on, man. All right. I'll take it. Half credit. Half. Half. You half. came out with two, Mike. You came two out, out with three. two. Still raising the average. Well done. Well done. John Belushi, born on January 24th, 1949, in Chicago. Had a high school band called the Ravens, uh, but hmm. the band broke up when uh, he went to college. After college, uh, he started his own comedy troupe, and he was actually uh, funny enough where the... Uh, the owner of Second City Comedy Troupe came out and saw him perform and then asked him to be in Second City because of his uh, his funniness. Mm. And then, of course, in 75, he was recruited as the inaugural one of the inaugural cast members of Saturday Night Live. He was on the show for four years. Rolling Stone ranked him as the number one cast member of all time, mm. which I would definitely disagree with with a lot of their list. Don't get me wrong. He was great. He was yeah. very, you know, he was a he was a pioneer as far as the show. He was so improvisational, but come on. Number 1. You're putting him above you're putting him above Will Ferrell. Yeah. You're you're putting him above Chris Farley. Like get out of here, man. Like come on. And he was only on the show for 4 years. I love him. Yeah. And it's his birthday, but 
You're being ridiculous, Rolling Stone. You're getting caught up in the creation. That's the thing. You're getting caught up in it. Nonetheless, he's fantastic. He was also in uh, several uh, movies, Blues Brothers and Animal House, probably being the most famous of those. Uh, sadly, 1982, our birthday suit wearer passed away from a drug overdose. He is still one of the most iconic comedians uh, in the world. There we mm-hmm. go. John Belushi. So, uh, there we go, Mike. Two for three. Not a bad week for you. Not mm-hmm. a bad week. Uh, Mike, we have fantastic shows coming up in, uh, what, what do I want to say? The closest being next week's Kenny Wayne Shepherd. Extremely excited about having Kenny Wayne on the show. One of the greatest guitarists literally in the world. Uh, just absolutely amazing. Getting ready to start his tour here in uh, uh, Florida. It's going to be a good time. But for now, Mike, we need to wrap it up. I have been your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the one, the only, Mikey Maximus, the Vernicus, Charette. Always a pleasure, Doc G. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. And until next week, zip it up and zip it out. zip it do da Thank you.